So today I'm interviewing Gianmarco Melli, who is uh, an e-commerce business owner who has a very interesting take on how to build systems and processes in your company. Hi, Gianmarco. How are you doing? Hi, hi, Renaud. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, good to see you here. Yeah. yeah. So do you do you want to give a, uh, an, an intro about yourself? So the, the, yes. the listeners uh, have a little bit of an idea about what you've been doing and so on. Yes, for sure. So I am originally from Italy. Uh, I moved to China right after university. Uh, and that's where my basic, basically my entrepreneurial uh, life started, you know, right away after university. I, I barely worked for a company for a few months and then they, they fired me because I was working on my own project. So the, my own project was, you know, like, a, 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 like a grocery store on, uh, uh, in China selling, uh, uh, foreign products, like from the US, Europe, Australia, mm. uh, into China. Uh, that was a very difficult job, but uh, I had a I had a Chinese partner, and um, uh, we also got you know investments from a VC. Uh, it was okay the the first uh, year or two, uh, but then you know it kind of you know went south because uh, I, I was very young at twenty four, my first uh, startup, and I did basically all the mistakes in the book. <laughs> so uh, in the meantime, I adapted and uh, and I I switched. Uh, basically business model because then I started selling on on Amazon in Western countries sourcing from China so I did the opposite uh, and that actually went very well until until now I do have the same brand which we we develop you know uh, home and kitchen brands uh, manufacturing in China selling in, in Western countries in in five countries in in, in Western in the Western world. Um, that has been like a great experience for me, and you know now I, I can share uh, a lot. <laughs> and in the meantime, I I created uh, this podcast called The Seller Process, where I share, uh, where I interview uh, different experts in e-commerce. Uh, you guys can find also uh, my interview with Renault. <laughs> uh, right, and, right, uh, that was a few weeks back. Yes, yes, exactly. A few weeks back, we we had an interview. Uh, on product development. So yeah, I interview all the experts and uh, um, we share about uh, systems and processes that e-commerce sellers can adopt in their business to be more successful. So that's in mm-hmm. a nutshell, you know, what I'm doing. I also do like some coaching uh, and have some uh, like digital products to help people to inc- improve their business. Right. So yeah. the main... The main focus of, of, of your podcast and the, the whole website at uh, thesellerprocess.com is, yes. is really all about yeah processes. Okay, thinking of your business like sort of like a machine that you tune and how to actually uh, do that the right way to, to support you and so on. And that's what we're going to talk about today because this is really uh, your uh, sort of your superpower or your, your passion or, or both of them, I guess. <laughs> and this yes. is going to be uh, mostly in the context of companies that sell products in e-commerce and buy these uh, products that they sell in, let's say, low-cost Asia, right? Like China, Vietnam, India, these kinds of places, because I guess it's, it's mostly applicable to all of this. Uh, it's not just for selling on Amazon. It's also for companies that sell on uh, you know, their website with Shopify and, 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 and things like that, right? So Yes. 
I, I have a few questions uh, for you so that people can really get some, some insights about your approach and to, to sort of understand it, you know, a little bit better. So the first question is, let's say I'm, I, I want to set up my e-commerce brand. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm starting, I'm just starting and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, there's the buying and there's the, the, the keeping in inventory and there's the selling and like this, there's the marketing to reach the people and all of that and more and more and more, right? Where should I start to systematize the systems and processes? Because I can't like have the whole operations book ready on day one, right? That just doesn't make sense. So where would you say that they probably need to start? Yes, yes. So definitely, it's a, it's a question that applies to most uh, people when they when they're starting. They might uh, feel like it's a daunting task to create, you know, documentation around their their processes. Uh, most people don't even that are not even aware of what an SOP is. But uh, essentially, you know, everybody actually uh, work with them in their mind. You know, an SOP is is essentially you know the uh, documentation uh, written or in a video form. Or it can be like in a graphical form, like a flowchart or something like that, that basically uh, explains the um, how a process works. So, uh, you you whenever you do something in your business, that there is some there are some steps that you follow. You may not be aware of that because it's just in your mind, but the the whole purpose of this is to uh, start systematizing your business in a way that. Uh, those processes that are in your, in your mind get you know, transferred into documents that can be then passed along to other team members in the future, but also create like uh, a structure, like an order in your business. Okay, you don't so, want to, you know, yeah, yeah. Just to um, Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> to make it a bit like you know easy to grasp uh, for people maybe who are new to this concept. Let's say, for example, I learn how to drive. Let's say, and then. They really have to drill into my head. Okay, I sit down in the car, I put on the seat belt, you know, maybe I make sure it's on neutral if it's a stick. Then I, I, I turn. Maybe even like first I, I, I press the uh, whatever, the, the clutch and the and, and, and the brake pedals, and then I, I, I turn it on and I look right and left. Where am I? Do I need to turn on the lights? Right. And then you know, I know where I'm going and then I go, you know, I go, you know, clutch and first gear and go. So if you skip some of the steps here, it's a bit dangerous. Like, oh, I forget to put on the seatbelt, you know, something like that. Um, right. And if you do, if you, if you do things in the wrong order or something, it actually is not going to work. Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's already yes. in gear number one and I turn and then like, oh, boom, you know, I, I, um, <laughs> I, I crashed or something. So I, I need to restart from, from scratch. So what you're saying is that when you say people have it in their minds, you mean that, you know, I log in the bank account. First, I have to log in anyway, it's a must. And then I need to see, okay, oh, I have a list of things to pay. Okay, I go there. But then what you're saying is, well, when I'm going to make a payment, maybe I'm going to double check if I really have the invoice from these guys, if the bank account corresponds to uh, to the name of the company that I'm selling, that I'm, I'm, I'm buying from, otherwise I'm going to ask some extra question, uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? If you don't do that from time to time, you might get scammed easily, right? So is right. this a good example? Yes, can be. Uh, it can be applied to anything uh, for sure. So uh, in in this case, for example, there are like 
processes that must have certain steps. So uh, that's why I'm saying it's useful to to put put these steps down on paper or on a video, even if you don't have anything, because uh, that that's kind of a, a common misconception that people think that uh, they're just working by themselves, so they don't need processes or SOPs. What I'm saying actually is exactly what what uh, what you mentioned. Uh, you want to have those processes even just for yourself, just not to forget, you know, the critical steps that you might miss out if you don't have it written down because, you know, you might be tired that day or you just forget about that, right? So you want to make sure that you always follow the, the, the right, uh, steps, right? So that, that's, that's a critical, I think it's just, just a, a mindset shift. So when that is clear, then, the, the way I, I suggest people structuring this process of systematizing their business is, first of all, to gain awareness of how do how they spend their time. OK, this is critical because um, we go on autopilot uh, most of our time. And uh, uh, especially when you're starting a business, especially if it's your first business, you don't have much control of the majority of the things that are going on. And and. It can, it can become very soon very messy because a business, it's, it's a bunch of, you know, systems, uh, putting, uh, uh, working together and you can, you can miss out the big picture and what's going on very quickly if you are into the weeds of the daily operations. So what you want to do is to stop and gain awareness of your time. So, uh, a, a tool that I, I call the time tracker and the task tracker. So. Uh, I suggest you use, to use that. Uh, I can also share it with uh, with links. Uh, there is also in my website. Yeah. What, we'll it is, it is yeah. Yeah. So, what it is is basically, yeah. What it what it is basically is um, you know going through your day and uh, putting into into a table the activities that you're working on. Okay, and uh, do this exercise uh, in a very detailed way. Okay, not just. Uh, uh, looking at emails or, or working, you know, like you need to be very specific on what, what you're actually doing in that time. Okay. So after a week, you will find this is like a, an enriching experience because you will, you will understand how badly most of the time you're using your time. And, uh, and then, you know, you start categorizing this, the task, all the tasks that you found in during, uh, that happened during your week. You start to categorizing it in, in certain ways, uh, so that you can do something about it. So the category, the, the main categories are, uh, three, like eliminate, uh, um, delegate or optimize. Okay. So first of all, you need to figure out whether that task needs to be done at all. Sometimes you, it's not even necessary, you know, so you're doing something more work than, than necessary. Uh, so first thing, this is a hierarchy. Okay. So uh, it's, it's exactly in the order that I said. Okay. It's not mm -hmm. random. So first of all, you need to think whether you can eliminate that task or not, whether it's necessary. Okay. So let's say if it's, if it's not necessary, throw it away. If it is necessary, so it must be done, then you need to figure out. Okay. How can I delegate that? Or you ask yourself, can I delegate that? And when I mean delegate, it's also like in a very general term, like giving this to some someone or, or something else. So it can be also like an automation, for example. Okay. And and automation go for in the hierarchy, automations go first before people. 
because it's better to to have machines doing some, doing something for you instead of people, right? So, um, how can you automate this task? Can you automate partially? Uh, that's some that's a very important question because people say, okay, I cannot automate PPC campaigns because it's it's a it involves a lot of you know mental thinking. But yeah, but you can automate like bid optimization, which is you know like a small part of the overall process. Okay, so you need to think like very granularly about the process itself and understand what pieces of that process can be automated, delegated, or eliminated, or optimized. Okay, so we're going through this process. It's an it's a it's an endless process uh, of keeping eliminating, delegating, automating, and optimizing everything in your workday. And um, this is going to give you so much more control over your business. You will feel much better uh, when managing your business. Uh, so then the, 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 the other things we mentioned is delegating. So if it cannot be automated by uh, uh, some tools or an automation, then you can delegate it to a team member, a VA or someone else. Last step is optimizing. So if you cannot give it to anybody, or not eliminating, you need to do it by yourself, but then how can you optimize it? So like cutting pieces of the, of the process, make it shorter, uh, doing all, all kinds of, you know, optimization that will improve the, the, the outcome of that task. You see, you see how this process is an iterative process. So the more you do it, the more basically your, your business is going to look like a, a, a a well-oiled machine where everything goes smoothly and then keeps keeps improving. You no, know? so you need to have this mindset of like continuous improvement. Okay, mm. so this is this is what I um, what I suggest uh, mm. uh, to to implement so, to the the mindset to implement. If I if I reword it in in in, yeah, in my own words, basically, yeah. okay, you try to see. Okay, what do I spend a lot of time on, right? You 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 want to become aware of what you're doing, and then you 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 look first at what takes you a lot of time, right? And first you look at it and you say, okay, do I need to actually take all of these steps when I'm doing this, right? Like for example, oh, it takes a lot of time to follow up with the suppliers. Oh, actually, it takes me like five emails just to schedule the next call. How about we just set, okay, it's going to be Monday, uh, 9 a.m. And that's it every week recurring, right? So already tick, right. already, already removed that little, these five emails already removed. Okay. Eliminated. Then right. I think, okay, um, how to optimize, um, no, sorry, delegate. Okay. Can I delegate something here? Um, maybe not really, but oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can uh, ask them in advance every time. To prepare, uh, like a little status report or something. Okay. Boom. I give them some, some work. So they prepare and then we, we review that together and the call can be half as long. And then, exactly. Uh, okay. What can I, um, optimize? Well, maybe I will have like always as a standard, like the same three questions. So I don't mm-hmm. have to think of what to do and so on. And they will over time, they will expect these questions. So they will already be prepared. So this, this is a, an example, right? Exactly. And, and you would start with the activity that take you the most time. Uh, th- does that make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. So if we if we want to then take it a step further, uh, I have like a few 
kind of uh, uh, tips on on what what I look for when I when I want to delegate something or want to uh, yeah pass on uh, certain tasks. So uh, one is that I I create like a matrix where uh, on one end is a frequency and one average time. So basically you you know you categorize these tasks on a frequency like how frequently they happen if if if, if it's it's a daily uh, type of task or it's a weekly or monthly or quarterly okay then uh, the other thing is the average time so like how much time is taking you every time you do that task is it like a 15 minutes thing one hour or several hours okay so then basically from this this matrix you understand that you know your highest priority and time consuming thing are the high frequency high average time uh tasks right and so those those are your first priority to tackle so you will you will need to really go deep into those like high frequency high average time ta- type of tasks so that you know you optimize delegate automate those first because that's your that's your lowest hanging fruits right right um so uh once you you take care of that then maybe it might take even months to to fully optimize a a process uh because you are doing it while actually performing the task so you you cannot stop the machine and you're not gonna gonna stop the business and say wait let me take care of this you need to keep doing it while you are optimizing right so it may take Mm. long time but uh it's gonna save you a lot of time um then you know a a few quick tips that i have you know on what to focus on next like how to prioritize so this is this is a definitely one this matrix frequency average time the second one is like uh uh, taking care of like first of the simple repetitive tasks it doesn't matter how much time they take you but if it's a simple thing that uh, do not require your level of expertise or knowledge those are you know like good good type of tasks that can be delegated to someone else mm, um, right because mm-hmm. it, it's simple you know already how to perform them so you can easily transfer your knowledge to someone else and uh, this other person will not need to have your same knowledge and expertise so it's easy to transfer you mean that if something doesn't yeah doesn't need you can be done by somebody else and it can be boiled down to okay you do these five steps and here's an example then like a virtual yeah. assistant in the philippines or somebody like this could do it for maybe exactly. you know 10 15 dollars an hour or something right a lot of our clients uh resort to uh virtual assistants uh in exactly. in a lot of different countries and and this is typically what they do yeah 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 definitely it's it's a great opportunity to you know take off your plate some of the tasks and you know start gaining back more time so that you can invest that time into optimizing more important tasks and and you know creating more value in the company right then you know the last the last one last way i i use to kind of think what to prioritize is uh what do you think about what do you hate or dislike or you are not good at even just as a here i'm talking like kind of as a life coach let's say like you you just you don't want to uh get your energy drained uh into like this task that you hate or dislike or you're not good at right so 
fine. Those are also like high priority in the list of you know delegation because otherwise you're gonna hate your job. You're gonna uh, you're not gonna enjoy you know doing business and and uh, that's gonna be reflected in everything else and just the energy that you will bring in it will not match you know your your expectations. So you you will have you know um, bad time you know working. So you don't want to be miserable. <laughs> so yeah, totally. So yeah. some tasks basically give you energy, like working with certain yeah. people, working on certain types of tasks, give you energy, right? Maybe you look forward to them. Then some other tasks actually drain energy away from you and you tend to procrastinate and so on. Yeah. So if you can just get rid of that, your entire yeah. life gets better, right? Exactly. Yeah, true, true, true. So yeah, they, they should definitely uh, think about like a high priority to to you know improve your life in general. Yeah. yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So, all the tips you have given so far, uh, their objective is to allow people to to basically to have more time for the things that they do best or the things that maybe are most important to their business. What about risks? Because basically, when you import products and you know you you buy products you know one batch at a time, it's probably gonna be you know tens of thousands of dollars and and more very fast. And mm. and you, if you make one mistake and another mistake, maybe the entire venture is is gone. You know, in the first few years, you're just a couple of mistakes away from uh, going out of business. Sometimes, mm -hmm. does it help to have systems and processes to uh, to prevent this kind of mistake? Well, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, th that uh, you know, always de depends on you know each different business have you know different ways to do that but there there might be uh like some kind of best practices for risk management uh, specifically in case of importing or or then selling so first importing uh something that i do uh, in terms of like risk management is um to have you know in, instead of having uh, i i know that you know the 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 uh, main way that uh most common way that uh, people do for example selling from asia to to the us for example is that they they have a big batch of production in their factory they send maybe a full container into a 3pl somewhere in the us they store it store the products there and then they uh feed uh whatever it is that the other uh, warehouses for example amazon fba or you know they ship it from there. Uh, I would say this is a, a bit more a risky approach, in my my opinion. You know the the way I manage this, and uh, it works especially well for Amazon FBA, uh, but it can be applied, you know, to, for other business model. Is that first of all, I have a very good relationship with the factory, and uh, um, we can dive deeper maybe in how to get that good relationship, but. Once you, you, you get, get a, get a good, good relationship with them, you can negotiate free storage in China, which I can, I can guarantee it's totally possible because all my factories do that. You know, like I work with four factories and all of them agreed on that. So just need to have maybe sometimes just the courage to ask, you know, not much more. And so they will be happy to store your product in China for free. Uh, some might just give you like a time limit, maybe let's say no more than three months or something like that. Uh, but some of them is kind of uh, almost endless. So then 
uh, keep keep uh, products in China and then uh, do like small shipments on a weekly basis or every two weeks directly to the to Amazon FBA in this case. Uh, so I would not suggest to to have like a middleman to store the products in the US unless just for some like buffer stock because sometimes maybe sales go well and you just need like very quickly some some stock but just keep maybe what i do is a like also as, as a risk management process i keep 30 days worth of inventory in a 3pl in the us just as a as a buffer stock sometimes happen that influencers uh, pick your product and share it in social media and you like one day is like sales spike you know for one or two days so you didn't expect that therefore you have you know some inventory ready to go nearby uh, an amazon warehouse but for your normal flow of inventories restock you sh- you stock directly from china to the us fba for example uh directly so this basically it helps you to uh minimize you know the problems with uh, each individual shipment because sometimes one shipment can get you know uh stop at the customs or uh it can be lost even so so if you if you send like a huge shipment i would be kind of anxious to send like <laughs> in one go like 100k worth of inventory well it obviously depends how big is your business if 100k is just a small number for you then uh, uh do it but uh, as a percentage of the overall you know need of the uh, inventory you should feed you know like one or two weeks worth of inventory every week okay so, so that yeah just, you have just, this constant flow right just so i understand having a a batch let's say $100,000 made and then shipped at once to a um, FBM kind of warehouse somewhere, maybe in uh, in Nevada or someplace like that, to serve the U.S. market. You say it's particularly uh, risky because you mean like if there's quality issues in the batch, then you're stuck with a a, a batch that can be repaired. Uh, if you have bad feedback from the market, then you cannot sell it. These are the types of risks that you have in mind. Also, yes, th- that's definitely one. Uh, I was going, I was thinking to mention this when in the selling parts let's say of 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 uh, of this process but uh in the importing yes it, it it's true as well because uh, uh if you if you have you know everything in in the US uh and then maybe some product needs a re- rework or you figure out that there was some problem with the product and it's already there it's going to be like very painful and expensive to get it back right but if you like do small shipments at a time you no know, you're going to save money also in the shipment and um and you 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 de-risk yourself from these things to happen and and go, going there you know in the selling part so what i wanted to mention is like the the biggest risk you can have as an e-commerce seller is that you create a product you send it to amazon for example you start receiving the first few reviews which are bad for some reasons and uh, because the product are, is not good and you are basically stuck with all the inventory you created because you now have a, a listing on Amazon or on Shopify wherever that has you know very low reviews and converts very badly so uh that that's basically the worst case scenario so that's that's the risk that you can have mm. as a, as an e-commerce seller right the biggest risk 
So what do you do with about that? Obviously, like quality inspections, it's a, it's a big thing. So when a when a production batch is ready, make sure that you always have you know quality inspections. As this is something I I even neglected in the beginning, like doing just uh, the the quality inspection the first time, and then you you understand okay it's it's fine it's good, but you know you can be really like one bad batch away from you know this disruption because if it, if one batch is it's bad for some reason you're going to receive so many complaints and refunds and and uh, uh bad reviews that are going to thank your product you know so it's really worth to spend that you know 100 200 dollars extra for for an inspection and uh you know make sure that everything is it's fine other than that, you know, in order to prevent this risk to happen is, you know, other risk could be compliance risks. So make sure you know the rules of the country where you're going to sell because uh, you might be surprised that then you sell a product and oh, you cannot sell this product <laughs> because it, it, it lacks of some, some certifications or, or, or some other mandatory. Labeling, yeah, exactly. Some other mandatory requirements. So compliance is another thing. You know, I suggest you to have, you know, book some consultation with experts. Or there is a service that I like. It's called Compliance Gate. Frederick yeah. was uh, was on your it's podcast. It's our friend, actually. So we'll, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. So we'll um, we'll also link to that episode of your podcast uh, in 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 the show notes. Uh, and also, I mean, another way to control risks, yeah, is to follow. A proper new product introduction process when you develop a new product, right? We also talked exactly. about that. We'll also link to that episode of your podcast. Um, exactly. We're getting close to the end of the interview, but just my last question. I mean, you mentioned having a good uh, relationship with your factory helps. Is this related mostly to like setting systems and processes and showing them some predictability and so on? Or is this you know, based on some other factors? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because, uh, uh, you know, the way I now I see everything, I, I can be systematized and, you know, documented, you know. So uh, if you come up with a strategy, then yes, you can document that strategy and then replicate the same, the same things that you did for several different uh, factories, for example. Okay, so in the beginning might be just something like spontaneous that you, you just come up with, uh, uh, um, you know, like some ways to, to build a relationship, but then you can actually structure that. So things that I, I do is, for example, you know, like small, tiny things that uh, help you build that relationship. For example, you know, like know, know the Chinese, uh, if, if you're, if you're sourcing from China, know the Chinese holidays, for example, and, you know, send them, send them uh, like a Hongbao. It's, it's like the, the red letter. Uh, you know, something like, uh, it's, it's basically a red envelope with, uh, with money inside. So give them gifts, uh, that they are accustomed for uh, during those days. Um, you know, maybe try, try to speak the language. Yeah. Just, just, you know, simple thing, but you know, it, it shows that you connect with them. You want to learn their language, you know, so, uh, you, you can try that too. Um, be interested in, in their personal life. It's another good thing, you know, uh, because, uh, these are human beings, you know, this is not a factory. It's just a machine. It, it, these are, you are interacting with, with real people. So 
especially uh, in China. This yeah, exactly. It's, true in, China. in China, there is this thing called Guanxi, which is the the relation, the importance of relationships. And actually, Chinese are famous to do business only with people who have good relationship with. So, um, maybe travel to China, have a dinner with them, and and drink some baijiu. You know, is the 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 Chinese wine. <laughs> I don't suggest to, to to drink too much because it's a very strong. <laughs> so everybody uh, doing business in China had you know uh, bad experiences with Baijiu, but um, it's it's a good way to connect with Chinese people, uh, like seeing them in person, things things like that. Uh, if we need to go like more on on a business level, uh, things that I these are like more relationship based. To show your kindness, to show that you are a human being and uh, and you care about them, and uh, on a business level, uh, things that I do that I can I can suggest is that uh, I always use Alibaba. Um, after after you use Alibaba for a while, you will find it in your profile in the back end of your profile. It's written how much money you have spent in total in your Alibaba. So this to me now now that it's been many years, this to me is like a very strong um, kind of breaking uh, like a break the ice type of uh, thing uh, because you know wh- whenever I go to a new factory, I say, "Hey, we are this company. Look at our profile. We bought already like a million dollar on Amazon on, on Alibaba." You know, so uh, they say, "Oh, this is this is a legit company." You know, they these are trustworthy company so you will start already with the right foot because you know they they already know you're you're serious right on top of the on top of the pile basically if if they have because companies that advertise on alibaba in some of the popular categories they might have you know 40 50 inquiries per day from new people right some of them it's it's amazing or even more and uh, and that's why they have like these you know dozen people uh, in sales, you know, responding to this in their office. Um, so, uh, so what you're saying is that you immediately get priority. You immediately get attention, maybe from a supervisor or the manager. Oh, this one is a real one, and he's inquiring about that. Okay, let's prioritize this versus the person who contacts them. Does which is very typical for for, for small buyers that don't have much experience. They don't give a full brief about what they need and where they come from and everything is like there's like one or two liners and then and right. suppliers like if i have time i'll get to that and i also right. give them a, a two-liner kind of response and and the link to okay you want to buy this or this this is the price and that's it right so you right. You, you from the beginning you want to catch their attention the right way yeah that makes a lot of sense yes yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, to go more practical also, even uh, during the relationship, when when you, that's already your factor, you know, let them be part of your team. So share your wins, for example. This is like a big thing I found, you know, to be working uh, on my business. So uh, the more we were growing, the more we are growing, the more, you know, I show them, you know, nice looking charts uh, uh, that are, you know, upward charts of, you know, you, you can actually... Not manufacture them, but uh, show only the good ones. Obviously, uh, show the good ones to the to the supplier. Let them be excited about your business. You say, "Hey, you know, we're growing. Uh, look at this. You know, we're a team. You know, let's do it." And they get excited too, right? So that makes you, uh, you know, strengthen that relationship because now they feel part of your mission 
and then you can you can you know you have this driving force together like you and your suppliers are both part of the same team and uh i found that probably you you have more experience than me on this but i found that uh, factories prefer frequent business frequent orders versus big orders uh once a year or once uh, every long time you know um so i i found that they prefer like a monthly orders or or every two months instead of one big order in mm. every six or one six months or one year so yeah. that's kind of something that makes them feel like okay this guy is still in business it, it exists because uh, yeah, uh, many factories yes. yeah ha- that's something i would advise yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Many factories have the experience that you know there is a customer that promise a lot. They make the first order and they disappear. <laughs> but you don't want to be that guy. You want to be you know the the good client, the good customer uh, that keep reordering, keep reordering. Um, yeah. yeah. And they might push you. They might push you for a big order because that that month they're not very busy. And also, if they have a big order, they can get like a deal from their component suppliers and so on, right? But you you might want to resist that. But if you have some visibility or at least some projections, you can show them, okay, this is what I'm going to order this year, you know, but I want to cut it so that I have also the cash to do the marketing and everything, right? And that's how we're going to exactly. grow. If I buy everything, then um, actually, it's not going to help me sustain the growth over time. But if you give them the... The plan, the visibility, that's um, in general very attractive. As long as you yeah. you don't place very small orders, right? It's it's yes, I think right. It's, that's it's right. A very good approach. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Projection, obviously, are right. So uh, that that comes back to you know thinking of them as part of your team, right? So think that if you if you own the factory, if the factory was your own factory, you would obviously share with your team your forecast because so that you they are prepared to have, you know, the right raw materials in place whenever you are going to order. They don't want to have this surprise. Oh, oh I didn't know you were going to order so much. Uh, we now don't have raw materials, so it's going to delay a lot. So obviously you would do that with your team. So this is actually part of your team, you know, your your factor, even if you don't own it, it they are part of your team. It's the uh, Their success is your success and vice versa. So, totally. so you need to share, totally. you need to share those, uh, at least, uh, yeah, at least three months ahead, give them an idea, even if it's not a PO. Yeah. I mean, that's what internally, right. you know, if, if internally the, the, the sales team would have to tell that to the factory, if it's in the same group, the factory will request it, uh, you know, at least they need to have an idea and need to have a forecast, right? Exactly. And, and some customers do it It's part of the contract sometimes, uh, but then they have, they, they only commit to a PO, you know, with a short lead time, maybe two months, maybe 45 days, whatever. But yeah, longer forecast definitely helps. Yeah, this this has been really, really, uh, really helpful. Gianmarco Melli from the sellerprocess.com. And you publish one podcast episode focused on basically the kind of topics that we mentioned today every week, right? Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'm very busy, so I skip it, but mostly every week, yes. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So uh, uh, I really recommend your podcast to people, especially in the e- people who sell e-commerce, right? But there's, there's some uh, some episodes that are uh, applicable to any kinds of, of importers. Basically, everything we discussed today, 
is applicable to any kind of importer, more on the small and medium-sized company. But you'd be surprised. Sometimes you have some departments in big companies that that are quite unstructured and, and do things in quite a messy way. So they would also greatly benefit from listening to your advice here. Um, yes yes thank you yeah <laughs> all right well thank thank you so much Gianmarco. i'm sure the listeners uh enjoyed this one and uh, well yeah speak to you next time thank you renaudia it was my pleasure yeah thank you thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the sophie's group we're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in asia including inspections auditing new product development support contract manufacturing 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.